This is the Greg Cappy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group, live from RJ's Pub in Rochester Hills. Now, here's Coach Cappy and the voice of the Golden Grizzlies, Neil Rule. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Greg Cappy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Now, typically, we are live over at RJ's Pub in Rochester Hills, but due to travel and a game you will hear tomorrow, Right here on the Real Team Real Estate Golden Grizzlies radio network as the Golden Grizzlies will square off against Fairfield. As you listen to this, Coach, we are in Connecticut right now, but we're not there yet, so we figured we record this uh, week's edition of the Greg Campy Show. How are you this week? Uh, came off a tough one Saturday at Xavier, one we thought we had a chance to get and uh, couldn't quite finish the show. and So, you know, we're getting ready for Fairfield now. Fairfield's a... In a league similar to ours, uh, they're probably they're picked in the middle of it, maybe towards the you know, a little bit below the middle of it. Um, if they are that, then this would be a really good game for us because these are the type of league games you have to win on the road. So we'll find out where we stack up. Absolutely, and the ways you can get involved with the show, you can always send your tweets with the hashtag #AskCampy. We got a stock of them that we'll get to a little bit later on and, and coach also a little bit later on in the show and to get your thoughts on the college football playoff and stuff like that. I know you're a big college football fan. We were watching it on the bus on the way back from Xavier. So uh, we'll discuss all that stuff with you, uh, get to the tweets as well, anything else that uh, that pops up. But, Coach, yeah, let's talk about that. Let, let's talk about the Xavier uh, basketball game. And, and, look, Xavier was a, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament last year, the, the defending Big East champions as well. And, and look, I know – and, and you were upset after the ball game, and, and I agree. You know, you guys were right there. Uh, you had opportunities to win that basketball game. As those days have passed from the end of that ball game, you know, to today, does does it sting a little bit less? And, and do you maybe focus a little bit on more on the fact that, you know, you guys did have opportunities to win that ball game, and maybe at the start of the season, if somebody would have told you that, some other people might not have believed that. But there you were. Well. Once I, I got to see the film, too, a couple of the things that I saw live were not quite as bad on film as they as they were live. And you can take that with a grain of salt. Sometimes, you know, the camera can be deceptive. Um, the loose ball we didn't dive on, which still upsets me, it hit us right in the hands, and we just didn't catch it. Right. And then instead of diving on it, we reached for it. And, you know, we had just discussed earlier in the game we had time out that there was a loose ball that we didn't dive on and then about three minutes after that happened there was a loose ball and it was actually Kamari dove on the floor and if you were going to pick a guy that wouldn't dive that would be the guy I would pick that might reach and not dive and uh, he dove on the floor kept it alive Xavier picked it up and we went down and scored and so we had we talked about that in the timeout, and then here it was, a minute seven to go. The ball's on the ground, and uh, we're down four, and they were struggling to score. Uh, they really were. we come down and, and get on the floor and get it, come down, get the ball to Xavier and see what happens. You know, we might kick out a three. We might He might score, and now it's a two- or one-point game with, you know, under a minute they've got to go down and score, and we get one more chance if they don't. So it it was something that I thought, it's how you win those games. Um, You know, they shot 23 free throws. We shot seven. There was 10,000 people going crazy there. They're, you know, they're, as you said, a number one seed. They're a a team that's been to numerous elite eights. And you have a chance to beat them, and you don't get those chances. And that's what, 
I was upset about, uh, you know, the fact that you had that chance. That's a signature win for the program and for those kids. And in a year, you know, we've had lots of signature wins, but in a year you're not supposed to get one. Right. To be able to go get one is something that they, you know, they carry through and could carry us through the whole season. I still go back to probably the the team that lost the most games I've ever coached. Uh, we had Pittsburgh by 18 with eight minutes to go in the game. We had the ball with seven seconds to go up ahead. With a 90% free throw shooter at the line. Yeah, I mean, well, he missed. He missed with 50 seconds oh. to go up six. He missed the front end one and one. That would put us eight. But we still inbounded the ball with seven seconds or nine seconds to go up two. And um, took a dribble, got swiped, they laid it in. But that game would have been, you know, an ACC, although I think at the time they were in the Big East. But that would have been a huge win for a young team. That was Felder's freshman year. Um, You know, it would have – well, maybe not. It wasn't even Felder's freshman year, so it wasn't a team that lost. But it was Duke Monday that had the ball Mm -hmm. taken from him, so it had to be the year before that because Bader was on the team. So, But we win that game. That's the type of game can't change your whole season because that was a rebuilding year also, and it was a year that we thought, you know, we had a chance to 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 be better by the end of the year, just like we do this year. And <clears throat> that game, I think, changed the whole season. I don't think we ever recovered from that 18-point lead in a Big East or ACC building with six to eight minutes to go and lose. Um, and so, but that didn't happen Saturday. But we had the chance to to win, and you know, it's it's something that. When our kids are, you know, 35, 36 years old and they're talking about their careers, well, we want Xavier. You know? No, and, and you know what, Coach, too, because I, I, I get where you're coming from with that. And, you know, as, I, as I've been around for starting to <laughs> starting to have been around for a while now, it, it's exactly like you talked about, Coach. You you only get a handful of those opportunities. You in a, in a 35-year career. I mean, how, how many times have you been in that position? Maybe, maybe it comes along once a season. Sometimes twice a season when you got a better team. Sometimes you don't get those cracks in any season. I mean, over a 35-year career, you've probably only been in that position what maybe a handful of times. You know, and you want to cash those in. It's disappointing when you don't. Well, we have 11 Power Five high major wins since we've gone Division One, which is quite a few. But if you think all the ones we had right there, you know, we've lost in overtime twice at Pittsburgh. We had the number one team in the country. A ball roll around the rim and not go in and then get beaten overtime. Um, we've had the Georgia game a couple of years ago at Georgia where it kind of was just taken from us. Stole, stolen is – I know you don't talk like that, Coach, but I can. Right. It was flat out stolen, yeah. Right. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's there's another – we have 11 wins, but there's another six or seven. I mean, you could be close to 20, and then you've really got something. I mean, then there's – eleven's pretty good too. Yeah, yeah, but, it is. But, if you know – you're not going to win them all when you get there, but you know I still have nightmares of the of the Michigan State game. I mean, the, that'll never leave me. Just you have number one team in the country. If the ball just rolls in, you win, and it didn't. And then we lose Felder on a you know on a, on a questionable call block charge <laughs> that he's trying to score to tie the game with 30 seconds going overtime, and they call a charge on him. So. Taking you down a dark road. Yeah, right you you got me. I, I have nightmares on that game. I, I will till the day I'm not here anymore. Uh, Coach Xavier Hill Mays, uh, 30 points in that ball game, and and I, and I said it during the broadcast. 
Xavier didn't have an – and I'm talking about the, the college. <laughs> Xavier, uh-huh. Xavier didn't have an answer for X in that game. I mean, it was to the point where they had the number 24 recruit in the country on him. And he couldn't deal with him flat out one-on-one. One on one. And I, I know I've asked you this many times, and I'll probably continue to ask you this, and he continues to check off boxes and, and those types of things. I mean, this, again, it's a, it's a Big East gym against a, a one of the better teams, you know, one of the better programs in the country that's withstood the that's test known of time. The, that's known for their defense. Absolutely, which uh, which right. I was going to get to is a defensive-minded program. He goes in there and puts 30 on them. They did not have an answer for him. No, no matter what card they pulled, it didn't matter. Well, I was talking to the supervisor of, of officials the other day, and he was at the game. And uh, um, every year they put out a, a film on officiating, and they show clips of fouls that should have been called and how that how they want the game. And I told him, I said, next year when you when you put your film together and you're talking about displacing people in the post, pick and fouls that don't get called. You know, go to this game because I mean they—that's the only thing they could do—is is just push and shove and displace him. He only shot two free throws, you which know, will not happen again this season. Well, maybe. I hope not, but there may be I mean, a couple locations it might. You think about, <laughs> <laughs> you think about what he did to them in the first half, and then what they tried to do to him, and he only shot two free throws. I mean, it's just. Boggles my how, mind. How do, you, how do you deal with that? And, and you and I have this conversation a lot, not, not not necessarily on the air, but but I ask you this all the time, Coach, because you're you're crazy that you, for being in the profession you're in. I obviously you know that it's going to go down like that when you walk in the door. We we all know that the, the, when you're on the road, the fouls are five to one. It's on the scoreboard when you walk in the building. But I, how how, how do you it, not get thrown out why, of every game? Why is it when people come to Oakland, it's not five to one in our favor? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to ask a couple of uh, people that yeah. question. No, but but you get where I'm. What I'm saying though with that coach, and, and I know it's part of the game, and I know that you know it's coming. But still, man, I well, mean, I, I don't know how you deal with that. I've I've, you know, I've coached what 1,100 games in my career, and I've I think I've learned to, to just accept it and to do. My my deal is I fight for the players. You know, I've, I've if I'm not fighting for them. And their frustrations, then I'll lose them. And so, ninety percent of the time, I'm screaming and yelling at an official. It's just I'm fighting for the players because one thing you'll never see me do. I never, I never argue a block charge call. I think block charge calls are the hardest calls there are. I'll be watching a game on TV with six people, and there'll be a block charge play, and three of the people say right. it was a charge, and three will say it's a it was a block, and and you know, you get on when you watch it on tape. You you have ninety percent of the time you can figure it out, but there's sometimes even on tape you can't figure right. it out. So you just got to trust the guy's doing the best he can. Um, what what aggravates me is when you know they're told you you're supposed to do this and and they just don't. You know, they just for some reason that night they're they're gonna call it a different way and you know. I got, I want, this sounds weird, but it's the truth. I don't want a lot of fouls called in the post um, because we need Xavier on the floor. So, I mean, we saw in the Western Michigan game when he's in foul trouble what that does to us. Right. And so it, 
I I don't like we're going to go to Michigan State and Nick Ward is just going to uh, flop and fl- flail his arms and and I'm just scared that Xavier won't get to play many minutes. I mean, the last couple of years, Jalen Hayes hardly has played. I was going to say, we, we and, have a track record right. of that in Breslin, yeah. Right, and and so, you know, those things are, I'm fearful of. So the way the, Zav- <coughs> the way the Xavier game was called was probably the best for us from a posting situation, but it still boggles my mind that that kid could dominate him. I even said to one of the refs, during the game, I said, uh, in this one, I mean, I've heard some things over, you know, 40 years in this business. I've heard some things said on a court that, <laughs> you know, but this one has got to be top 10. Uh, mid, mid-second mid half, they're just fronting him, displacing him, holding him. And I, I said to one of the officials, I said, they can't guard him. He killed him in the first half. Now they're trying to front him. They're displacing him. They're pushing him. They're holding him. And this official looks at me and says, which one are you talking about? Which guy are you talking about? All of them. <laughs> no, he meant our guy. Yeah, no, I he know. Meant, I which, know. which guy can't Xavier stop? Yeah. And I, Are you telling me that you've been refereeing this game and you don't know who's scoring every basket you've for us? you for the last 45 minutes right. in this I mean, building. Yeah. I just... I, I was befuddled. I stopped and looked at him, and I said, are you kidding me? I might have put an adjective in front of the, are you kidding me? Um, For description but, purposes. Yes. Yeah. But that that one is an all-time one there. So, Was that was he pulling your chain no, a little bit? I don't think so. <laughs> if he was, I would have laughed, and that would have been a hell of a line. But I th- he was frustrated and mad I was yelling at him. And you. you <laughs> They, he was, they were more worried about, I mean, they told Coach Hipshire a couple of times to sit down. You know, you're, why don't you worry about what's going out on the court and not worrying about what's going on on my bench? You know, I mean, I just, it, it, it just, you know, it is what it is. You, they, you know, they paid us 90000 to come play that game, and I'm sure that they feel they need to win that game. And, they, they, you know, so it is what it is, man. I just, it. But the truth to your question is, I'm, I mean, after all these games, I understand that I know it going in. And, you know, I, I depending on who's officiating that, I have a little game plan in my head on, you know, what I want to do with them. When, when do you find out who the officials are? Um, I don't pay attention to it until uh, Sarah will send me a, a text with the three officials, right, maybe yeah. within 24 hours of the game. I, I could find out two weeks. It it's posted two weeks in advance on a web page that she has, and I don't even want the password for it because I don't want to get into looking ahead and be like a YouTube rabbit hole, right? <laughs> you know, just <laughs> no, I have enough to worry about. I don't want to worry about. All right, coach. We'll take our first break uh, of the show. When we come back, I, w- I want to get into Braden Norris's play. Uh, just a little bit as well as he continues to impress also uh, the Horizon League Freshman of the Week. And, and keep in mind, this is a league that, that has Mr. Davis in it down at Detroit as well. So we'll we'll discuss Braden Norris's play a little bit. Also get to your tweets with the hashtag AskCampy as well. I want to talk about the college football playoff with you. Uh, we got a lot to get to here. Now, normally we would be at RJ's Pub in Rochester pre-recording the show due to travel. Uh, keep in mind, tomorrow night right here, 
on the Real Team Real Estate Golden Grizzlies radio network. The Oakland Golden Grizzlies and Fairfield will be mixing it up. He is the coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group, usually live at RJ's Pub in Rochester, but we are pre-recording here because of travel tomorrow, 7 p.m. on the Golden Grizzlies Real Team Real Estate Radio Network, Oakland and Fairfield. He is a coach, Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. As always, a big thank you to D2 Technologies as well for the Technologies Assist. Make sure you stick around for the network of the game during the broadcast brought to you by D2 Technologies. But, Coach, I wanted to get into this with uh, with, with Braden Norris, and we'll get to the uh, hashtag Ask Campy tweets coming up in just a little bit, the college football playoff as well, so make sure you stick around. But, Coach, Braden Norris – you know, this is this is getting real now, folks. 14 points uh, in Xavier. He was 5 of 8 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3, and his percentage went down, which I talked about during the broadcast. And I know... Yeah, he took a bad shot at the end of the game. Right. You know, the the, the game was about to end, and he took a 25-footer, which... Because he had to, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, he didn't have to. He could have drove it to the rim, which I wish he would have done. I mean, he, what, that three points wasn't going to make a difference in the game, and... So, yeah, I mean, he's a lot of people thought, well, okay, now we're, he's going to get exposed now because they look out there and they stereotypically look at him and he does not look like a high world-class athlete. And they got four top 100 kids on the right. floor for Xavier. And he, right. here's, yeah, exactly, here's the day is, he's going to get exposed. Right, and, and what happened was uh, he was the best guard on the floor. I mean, he was he – was, their point guard is their returning starter and a guy that's supposed to be, you know, lead them. And, and Braden was the best player of the two of them on the floor and I would say the best guard on the floor in the game. Now, they had a kid have a great defensive game in the second half for him. Uh, they got in foul trouble. But as far as total package, I mean, you go in that gym and, and that's the first time Braden has ever played in that atmosphere you know it's only our second road game um he's played in that atmosphere at oakland but we only have four thousand they got ten thousand in and, and guys every seat was right. was jam-packed well, in that place they sold standing room they right. sold sold standing room tickets um you know prior to the game so for the first time because his other road game was vegas and there was honestly nobody at that game you know a few three four thousand people friday night in vegas yeah. right I didn't want to be at that game on Friday night in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all had other things on our mind. Uh, <laughs> it's all right, Coach. We got to where we needed to be. <laughs> so so you go out there in that atmosphere for the first time, and everybody's thinking you're going to, you know, you're going to get exposed. You're just some little, little chump out there that's, you know. And, you know, his ball handling, you know, as he's dribbling up the floor, he looks like he's six, you know, with the balls bigger than he is, and and uh, but he never loses it. And, he, and and the proof's in the pudding with that coach. Eight assists, one turnover in that gym. Case is closed with Braden Norris, as far uh, as far as I'm concerned. You come out of there like that, case is closed. You can play. And more more importantly, from a coaching standpoint, we ran our offense in that game the best we've run it this year. Mm-hmm. We we are really really improving offensively. And I know we only scored 63 points, but that's because we we played we played at a pace of of 58 possessions. You know, we we did <laughs> we normally play at 75 or 80 possessions, and that's even harder on your point guard because I don't you know this team isn't ready to play at 75, 80 possessions. We need to play at 60, 
and we need to get better and execute, and Xavier needs to get a touch, and then we need to knock in threes, uh, open threes. And he ran our offense against that level of athleticism, again, as against a team that, you know, their building block for their team is their defense. And uh, uh, he, he, was, he was the best guard on the floor. There's no question in my mind. You know, Coach, and you've had this a lot of times in your career, especially since I've been around the program. Jonathan Jones comes on the scene. You toss him the keys to the car, and away it goes. Kay Felder comes on the scene. You toss him the keys to the car as a freshman, and away it goes. Do you, do you see that with Braden Norris? Is, is he, is he going to drive your car? I, I, you know, I, I really think that he's done an unbelievable job. And the thing that makes him so good is his intelligence. And this is this is the thing that separates him from other players, and why I can make that statement about the uh, you know being the best guard on the floor. Those numbers he's putting up are not going to continue. Anybody that thinks that he's going to shoot seventy-two percent from the three and seventy from the floor, you're wrong. I mean, we're eight games in. Well, it's seventy-nine percent from three, by the oh, way. Seventy-nine percent. What are we eight games in? He, yeah, he's he started eight games, starting played. We're eight games. eight games in. My my mentor, the guy that gave me my first job, Bob Nichols, who was still the all-time winningest coach in the Mid American Conference, told me never to look at the stats until eight games. And then he says they're not going to change much after eight games. Well, his are going to change because nobody can do what he's doing. But I'll tell you what was unbelievable in that game was their point guard, who was supposed to be so good, was 1-9 from the floor and couldn't get by Braden. And that, you know, here you have these elite six foot three, six foot five athletes, and he's about 4-2, it looks like, against them. And they're putting their head down trying to get to the rim, and they can't get by him. He's taking charges. He cuts them off. He's so intelligent in reading what they do. He does his film work. He understands the tendencies of the guys he's guarding. And that's what's going to separate him. That's why he's going to be, you know, a, such a special player at Oakland because he's got the total package. And, and you look at him and you think he's got no package. You know, I mean, you think he's – who is this kid? He'd be, he'd be a great pool player, right, in the pool hall. Right? You know, people would say, hey, I'll play you for money, you know. <laughs> well, somebody on the Xavier message board – I got this sent to me and I thought it was pretty funny. Somebody on the Xavier message board said, who would you want? as our starting point guard. Our guy who's supposed to be all Big East or Opie. Opie, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And they called him Opie. And and the, the, the answer was, well, on this day I'd want Opie, but our guy's going to be better, you know. So right. it, it, no, you want this kid. This yeah. kid is something. This kid is something. Well, I, I've never seen. I've never seen. Kay Felder didn't do. Jonathan Jones didn't do none of none of these great. I've had some great great point guards. None of them have had a start like this. As where you walk in the door like right. like this, and, and what really blew me away in what you talked about defensively. I'm glad you brought that up, Coach, because it reminded me there were two occasions in that game where I remember them very vividly. It was when when you guys were on the other end of the floor in in, in the first half, defending, and his lateral movement. His anticipation, because that's what it is. It is. I mean, his anticipation with his lateral movement is is something I have I haven't seen in a long time. Coach. He has strength for a little guy. He's got strength in his legs and he's got strength in his upper body. Um, 
but it's it's his ability to know what's going to happen next and as you, that's a good word anticipation and there were two times in transition and that's when you really see it when you're playing a team that's got the size and the athleticism. I mean, remember, remember when Felder was here in transition, he, he was getting to the rim. I mean, he nobody was stopping right. him. Didn't matter who we played. He, I mean, the the shot that rolled around the rim that we were just talking about was transition, and and uh, I forget who the guard was at Michigan State at the time who um, was guarding him. He just blew right by him for the last basket, and they just rolled around and didn't go in. And, but that's what separates. Uh, these great athletes to the to a good athlete to a non-athlete is you get out in transition and you see the speed and the athleticism and the strength that somebody rips and goes with and twice on Saturday in transition these these Xavier kids tried to rip and go to the rim and and they ran him over he just anticipated where they was going to be he took his, his stance and they ran him right over and that I'd like to take credit for that. I'd like to say, yeah, we taught him that. But he, you, he walked in the door with that. You, that's unteachable. What, what he's doing defensively is unteachable. The, the to use his strength. Now, we did see it in recruiting him. I mean, one of the things, the reason that you know nobody wanted him. Um, I think we beat. I think he visited uh, Binghamton, and somebody else like that um, because he looks like Opie and because you know you didn't but here's what we saw I mean we were recruiting Foster Lawyer who ends up Mr. Basketball Michigan and goes to Michigan State and um, so we saw every game AAU game we saw his high school games and then we saw every AAU game he played and Foster played on the same team with Braden and here you've got two guys, that, two Opies, on the AAU circuit, winning the 16 and under. That are killing folks at the Peach the, Jam. Six, the, the, they won the 16 and under national championship at the Peach Jam or wherever it was. Now they had some other good players on their team. I mean, a, a guy who started uh, playing a bunch at Notre Dame as a freshman this year, a guy who's playing a bunch at VCU as a freshman this year. They had some big kids. But here's this kid guarding these elite players in the AU and the AU is not you know, there's not a lot of great offense being uh, run it's, offensive structure yeah right it's transition it's athletes making plays and it's it's so here you got this kid guarding this and then he he didn't get the ball much but when he shot it usually went in and he'd made big free throws and you know so you're sitting there and you're watching game after game after game and you're thinking to yourself that kid's pretty good, you know. <laughs> he didn't look like much, but he's he's yeah. pretty good. And then we realized we weren't going to get Foster. And I, even though we knew he committed to Michigan State, well, we were looking at the Vince Williams kid on the team who ended up going to VCU. So we, well, let's keep going to the games. And now we're trying to get Vince Williams. And Vince is killing it. And we probably know we're not going to get it. But in the back of our mind, here, here's this Norris kid, man. So we talked to Norris's dad, who's a high school coach, and we asked him to bring the kid to team camp. So they came to team camp, and he just, you know, they beat everybody except I don't think they beat Clarkson. I think they and Clarkson maybe a two- or three-point game. And 
Braden was just fantastic in the game and seeing him with his team where he is the star. You know, we saw him in the AU where he was the complimentary guy you kept looking at. We saw him with his team where he is the star and we immediately offered him, uh, you know, at our camp. And we just said, no, you know, and and we talked about, well, he could be our backup point guard for a long time. But, you know, we wish we had him. He signed early. We wish we had him last year because defensively we think he could be a defensive stop. You know, we had all these hopes for him. I spoke at a clinic in Ohio, and I talked about, you know, we recruit toughness, and, and here's a kid that's tough. And, you know, three years from now this kid's going to be playing at Oakland, and, and everybody's going to be saying, where'd he come from? Well, it was three months later he's playing at <laughs> Oakland and everybody's going, you know. But, you know, the thing about this is everybody, everywhere I go, I get asked, "Is that how's that Norris kid doing? Because everybody saw that team and nobody was willing to pull the trigger on him. Right. So we will take credit for that. That's all I'm going to take credit for, but we will take credit for that. Well, th there's something to that, right? Sometimes the answer is right in front of you. You just got to look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you had to look real deep with him. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll take our next break. When we come back, we'll get to Twitter uh, with the hashtag AskCampy. We had some questions stockpiled uh, from earlier this week, so we got some to get to. Uh, we'll spend a segment doing that. Also want to pick Coach's brain about the college football playoff as well. All that and more. You are listening to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show. Typically, we are live at RJ's Pub in Rochester, but as we've been talking about, pre-recording the show here due to travel. And, and don't no, forget, no season fries. No season fries, yeah. which is probably the biggest travesty out of out of all this situation right now. Right. But uh, I hope to see you out there next week. Packed house uh, at RJ's Pub, which which uh, really is good. incredible. It's yeah. been really good. The the shows have been good. We have a lot of you know a lot of regulars coming to it. I think part of it is the location is way better than. Uh, how we were set up at the place before we, we have our own little area where before we were out in the middle of it you'd have people wonder, looking at us like what is this yeah yeah <laughs> you know but now everybody in that area knows that's what so what's going on so russ has done a great job for us and of course he brings me seasoned fries during the show so i mean what the heck a absolutely he does also and a big shout out to to, to junior russ jr uh, former Oakland baseball great as well, Russell Luxton Jr., as, as, I, uh, as I like to say, during his playing days. But a big shout-out to him as well, all the staff at RJ's Pub. We miss you guys, but uh, but we'll be back uh, next Wednesday, back in there. Coach will have his season fries, and, and all will be well. I'm bringing the team next Wednesday, too. Absolutely. We'll have the team there, so we'll have a couple of the players come up and talk. We'll let Xavier and Brad and Cumberland come up and have a few, say a few words, and then the following week we're going to do it again. So I'm going to bring the team two weeks in a row because – where I'm breaking, we need a place to eat, so we'll eat there. And I'll have Braden Norris maybe come on and talk a little bit. Opie? <laughs> we'll have Opie come talk on. Talk about the Opie comparisons. Well, when you have Javen, I know it'll be a few words. <laughs> it is a man. Right. That, that is a man. A few words. But uh, Javen, one of the best kids you're going to run across. There's certainly no question about that. But as always, we take your questions with the hashtag AskCampy. Got a stack of them here uh, to get to for the Greg Campy Show. And, Coach, uh, we'll kick it off. Uh, Tony Simone uh, tweets at us, says, Coach, is Xavier returning a home game in the 2020 season? Hashtag Ask Campy. No, Tony, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Xavier played, paid us 90000 to come play the game. They do that because they have 10,000 people at their game with about the average ticket price of being $30. Um, so, so do the math right yeah, there. Yeah, you do the math there. Given us ninety, they're going to make a heck of a lot more. So they're not. They're, no, they're not coming to Oakland. They're, they will never come to Oakland. Um, 
So every once in a while we can sneak a game like that in by giving a two for one, maybe not taking as much money, maybe there's a purpose or a reason um, to Georgia's do that. Georgia's an example of that, right? Yeah, but and you'll see this when we play Georgia next week when we go to their their non league games at Georgia don't you know, there'll be four thousand. They'll they'll say there's twenty you know, they'll say there's ten thousand because that's the season tickets they sell, but but there won't be four thousand people in the stands. And so schools like that, that you know, are football schools that really don't care about basketball until football's over and it's the middle of January, you can get a school like that once in a while uh, to come. And then the reason Georgia came is they had two Detroit kids. They had Yante Maton from right down the street, and you know he kind of promised Yante that they'd come back into Michigan and play a game. So you know that's that's how you get those games. It's a lot of hard work to try and try and find those, but. You know that's what we try and do. We're we're working on it. We're trying to convince Huggins to come here. I mean, come oh, sometimes you sometimes you throw your friendships out there too. <laughs> um, you know, and try and try and beg. But uh, maybe maybe some night I can, when we're out, I can get Huggins to yeah to commit to it when he's not really paying much attention. He's the best man. I yeah. I love that. I love listening to him talk, man. He's. He's absolutely incredible. Uh, more questions with the hashtag AskCampy. Brian Welch Jr. tweets at us, says, uh, does Xavier not drink enough before games? Is there something else uh, maybe that causes his cramp? Hashtag AskCampy. Well, he's cramped in two games, the two games that were sold out, you know, our game here, the first game, and the game at Xavier. And part of it is it was pretty hot in both those gyms. And then the biggest part of it is Xavier has never played this many minutes in his life. And uh, so he is getting to a fatigue, and his body's getting fatigued, and and we're we're working on it. You know, we we've got to figure it out, and we can't have that happening when we get into January and February. So one of the things too I have to do is, and you know, it's, it's hard for me because I've always done it, and just because you always do it doesn't mean it works still. You know, and. But I've always played my best players a lot of minutes. I don't buy in that they wear down. I don't buy in that, that uh, you know, all the things that people want to say. Because if you look in February, we're still one of the best. Even even last February, where I think we went 5-3 and three or something like that. If you look in the last decade, our February record is awful good. So if you're going to tell me we're wearing down, I'm not going to believe you. Um, but he may be a guy... And I'll know it about 14 or 15 games because we keep all the metrics and we have all the stats. We had a, a center a couple of years ago named Percy Gibson. And the stats showed that if Percy played 20 to 24 minutes, he stuffed the stat sheet. It's when he played 30 to 35 minutes that he didn't do much. And, uh, you know, Xavier may be that same way. He may be a guy that we need to keep at 28 to 30 minutes. But we have to get better. At scoring when he's not in the in the gym, because um, if you if you want to get to where you want to go, that's you're going to run into that as as things <laughs> move on here. Right. We we need to get, you know, everything runs through him, which is fine. That that's there's nothing wrong with that. But when he's off the floor, we can't just jack threes. You know, we have to get Beck to be able to finish. We have to get Brad to be able to finish. We have to get Jordan to be able to finish and and not. You know, we got to get tougher. We're too soft when X is not on the floor in the post. And right now, when he's not on the floor, everything's a jack three, and you're not going to win that way. You know, you have to play inside out. And, and I'm, 
I mean, I'm a guy that's shot, as a coach, probably shot more threes than any coach, you know. Ever. Well, just because I've been around longer (laughs) than everybody. And the three-point line, yeah. (laughs) And from the day the three-point line came in, we've utilized it. You know, we've we've made a three in 800 straight games or some stupid number. Seventh longest streak in the country, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a coach that believes in the three, but you can't just jack the three. You've got to have purpose, and you've got to have a reason to what you're doing. And, again, I'll go back. I thought we ran our best offense this year in the Xavier game. I thought our movement was really good. I thought ball reversal was real good. If you take the first four possessions out of the second half, where we turned it over four straight times and missed uh, an early three, the rest of that game, the other 55, 53 possessions, I thought were really good. Yeah, and I have been impressed, you know, with the, with the way that the, the offense has run. It's certainly, I, I think, and I, and I told you this after the game, uh, when you and I were talking privately, you know, if you look at what you guys have done offensively, there can't be a lot of people, especially given the nature of, of having the freshman point guard out there, there can't be very many people that, that thought that you guys would run this efficiently. I like where we're going and where we're heading. We've got to get better at guarding the ball screen. We've got to get better at getting ripped and driven. And then, of course, the rebounding is the the key. I mean, the second half at Xavier, we, we rebounded the ball at about an average percentage. You know, the what our goal is that if you shoot four times, you can only get one offensive rebound. So 25% of your shots. We, we want to rebound. I mean, we want to rebound every one, but logistically you know if we can rebound 75 percent of your misses then we're a good rebounding team and right now we're nowhere near that and that's that is you know that's a problem and it's a problem that's got to get solved we have length we have size but i don't know if we have the toughness to become a good rebounding team so if we don't we've got to find the toughness to become an average rebounding team because right now we're a bad one if we can get to average, we're going to win games. If we can get to good, we're going to win a lot of games. What percentage of rebounding is want to in your mind? I think 100%. Every coach I've ever asked says the same uh, thing. And nope. Again, that's something you can't teach. I mean, it, it, you can harp on it and yell at it. You know, we, we did more for rebounding in the preseason this year than we've done in seven to ten years as far as prep for the season and rebounding. And, and we're the worst rebounding team we've had in seven to ten years, and yet we've done more for it. So it still comes down to, you know, anticipation, being able to move your body and, and then the physical contact. And that's where we're getting killed right now. We're just we're getting manhandled on the boards. More questions with the hashtag asked. Campy Gary Gilbert tweets at us, says, can you describe for fans the travel plan for the next five games? Will their team return to campus after the Fairfield Northeastern games, fly back to the East Coast for the Hartford game, and then fly down to Georgia? Hashtag Ask Campy. Well, the, we leave right after this. We have practice right after it's 7 o'clock Wednesday morning, and we're doing this. We have practice after this. We'll leave the campus at 11 o'clock. Our flight's at 2. Uh, we'll come back on Sunday after the Northeastern game, and then we'll spend the week, you know, in exams. Uh, I I think our players wish we would just stay there. <laughs> but we have exams next week, so we will get through the exams. And then on on Saturday, we fly back to Boston. Um, we play, no, we fly back to Hartfield, Hartford, 
Connecticut, and we play Hartford. Mm-hmm. And then from there we fly to Georgia, and then we'll fly back. We'll play Michigan State on Friday night, and then our kids will go home. for. We'll, we'll, they'll get the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th off. They'll be back Christmas Day. We'll practice, practice Christmas night, and then the, then the real season starts. You know, we, we're prepping for – everything we're doing is prepping for Cleveland State, and, and that's when the real season starts. So – and these two road trips are Horizon League-style road trips. Yeah. Game, yeah. travel, game. Yeah. Thurs- travel, game, travel, game. Thursday, Saturday this week, just like the league. So, um, you know, we're, we're prepping for that uh, by doing this, and that's why it was scheduled this way. Uh, final one here, Coach, before we take our final break of the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Brian Schmucker tweets at us, is there going to be Oakland men's basketball all-access shows this year? Oh yeah, that, that they're filming it now. Um, I've actually worn a wire the last couple of games. I, I think I no, I didn't wear one at the Xavier game, but I, I I've worn them a couple of times. I remember, and uh, they'll they'll have that. I think the first one will air in mid December, and there'll be four of them like normal. Um, if we can get to the NCAA tournament, I think that would do a special fifth one. Um, there, there. To me, it's the best thing we do here as far as um, you know. Media-wise, I think it's the best thing we do. Those those shows are they tell great stories, they highlight us for 30 minutes on a, on TV throughout the Midwest, and uh, you know we I'm telling you we got Kay Felder because of that show. Uh, his mother watched that show uh, the morning that they were coming on their visit. The first thing she said to me when she walked in the door was, "I watched your all-access show this morning," and then she raved about it. You know so. It tells stories, it shows, it humanizes our players, and I think it's a great, great thing that that we do. Yeah, and, and to be frank with you, Coach, it's just an awareness thing. I mean, I got I got a message from my sister. They were out eating dinner at one of the local Buffalo Wild Wings or somewhere like that, one of the local establishments, and she said, you know, I looked up, and, and there you were. Their coach was on, on TV, and, you know, that's – I think that maybe goes under the radar for people a little bit. I mean, every single – restaurant establishment here in the greater Detroit area you know these shows run right before the Red Wings game comes on or before the Pistons game comes on I mean they they literally are everywhere uh, and they're in Chicago they're in Ohio right you know I, I have a sister who was working out in a in a lifetime fitness and she's doing a stair stepper and there was our all-access show on you know I mean it just it, it's really an important thing that we do and um, we have a lot of new administrators and things like that, and I hope they continue to do it. Yeah, and the level the level of quality production, Chad Schwarzenberger and, and that gang, uh, they do a great job. Chad does a lot of work with NFL films, you know, all those, you know, the, the famous NFL films. I mean, he's he's a point guy for a lot of that. So uh, they do, they certainly do do a great job. We'll take our final break of the night. When we come back, we want to take a couple minutes with Coach about the college football playoff. If you were uh, – if you were on that bus with us back to Xavier, you knew that everybody had vested interest in what was going on with that Alabama-Georgia game. I have a, a question uh, about Alabama's quarterback situation that, that I will pose to you as a coach and get your thoughts on as well. So we're coming down the stretch here. This is the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group, usually live from RJ's Pub. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group, usually live from RJ's Pub, pre-recording here because of travel, but don't worry, we'll be back at RJ's Pub next week in Rochester. The team will be in the house as well. Uh, Xavier Hill-Mays, Javen Cumberland, all the guys will uh, will join us next week. We'll hear from them, really one of our favorite shows 
uh, favorite couple shows of the season. You get to hear from all the players. They'll be out in the house, packed house. So if you're coming out to the show, make sure you get there early to claim your spot. Uh, as Coach talked about last segment, lots of regulars. You ever think this show would have regulars, Coach? Like, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think it's a fun deal. I mean, you get out there, you get you have a meal. There's a lot of people around that like Oakland basketball, so it's a fun night. Yeah, absolutely. Grizz Gang, two students out there as well. They have drink specials for you, and those go all night long. So make an evening of it out at RJ's Pub in Rochester. Coach, I, I talked about before we went to break, if you were on that bus ride back from Xavier, you know uh, a lot of people on that bus had a vested interest in, in what was going on with the Alabama-Georgia game and the college football conference championships as a whole. And the news broke out, and the, the teams have been selected for the college football playoff Uh in particular, how the Alabama game went down against Georgia, where, where you had your all-world quarterback uh, with Tua for Alabama uh, that, that was struggling a little bit and then ended up getting hurt in the game. And then Jalen Hurts, who lost his job to Tua in the last year's national championship game, comes in and saves the day for Alabama. So amongst the bus, you, you sit up towards the front of the bus, so you might not have heard this conversation, but the hot topic of convo was, well, who starts? And, and obviously you don't know... You know, who starts a national title game? Now, obviously, you don't know the severity of, of Tua's ankle injury, those types of things. But from a philosophical perspective, Coach, how would you uh, handle be, that? If it's an ankle injury, he'll be healthy. They don't play for three weeks. So, right. um, Just but, philosophically, though. Yeah, you go with the guy that, I mean, he, at that level, with the amount of money that's involved and what's with everything that's involved, that's a great story, and it, it really – it's what athletics is about. You see stories like that. You see the good, the bad just comes out. And, and it, it's a feel-good story for everybody to see a kid that could have quit and didn't quit. And then he gets a chance. And he, and he saves the day. Right. And it's something that other coaches will use with players from now, you know, for the next 10 years. You'll hear the, the coach tell that story to his team that, you know, when, a, when something goes wrong, just stick with it. But the truth of the matter is that the the guy that's the best player is the one that they're going to play, and, and the other guy's proven he's the best player. I mean, he took the guy's job, um, and Saban, you know, had no fear of doing that at, at halftime of a national championship game. <laughs> so, isn't that still incredible to think about? Would, would you have been able to pull the trigger on something like that? Well, he must know something, though. I mean, he, he must have been waiting for the opportunity, but the, the opportunity never came because the guy was winning. And he probably knew this guy was better, but, you know, I can't. We're winning, so I'm not going to mess with that. And then they weren't winning, and this guy came in and saved the day. Um, so, and then you, how he played this year, I mean, he's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy. So, uh, he, he's going to play because he's the best best player, and it's a coach's job to put the best product on the. I mean, Saban's there to win. He's not there for moral for feeling right, or anything like that. Feeling yeah. good stuff. He's there to win, and the right. Alabama fans want him to win. And I mean, if you listen to the to Gene Smith, the Ohio State coach or the Ohio State AD yesterday during the, I watched the press conference, and they were talking about the new coach, and and Gene Smith goes, "Oh no, oh no, he's he's got to win ball games, you know." <laughs> <laughs> that that was put right out there, right front. <laughs> that was the most. <laughs> that was the most honest statement probably ever made by any of those guys. You got to win ball games. <laughs> well, coach, speaking of Ohio State, obviously the the news dropping that Urban Meyer uh, stepped down yesterday. I was actually filling in for Matt Shepard's talk show, and that that news went off like a bomb 
uh, in the morning. That carried two hours of, of radio discussion. But, but speaking of that, and Ohio State, they were left out, the Big Ten champions uh, with one loss, left out of the college football playoff. And I, I think I know which way you're going to go with this, but did the committee get that right? I, I'm not an expert at it, and I don't. I know you're not. Um, you're right. an armchair fan. You're just right. an armchair college football fan. I mean, they can only take four, and three of them are undefeated. So, do, do you have down. a huge problem with the fourth? No, it comes down to Oklahoma and, and Ohio State, and uh, you know, you you traditionally both programs are strong. Uh, you know, I I gotta believe Ohio State struggles against Purdue and, and the Maryland game probably are the reason they didn't get in. Uh, that's why in the Michigan game, everybody thought Michigan was going to win because, quote, this isn't the Ohio State that's been the Ohio State. And I think that that perception out there probably came back and got him, and the fact they kicked Michigan's tail probably was more an indictment that Michigan isn't what people thought they were because Notre Dame kicked Michigan pretty bad too. So... You know, from a fan standpoint, you know, I I would probably uh, would rather see the Big Ten in it. But the truth of the matter is, I think that the perception of who the better team is is probably Oklahoma in, in outside of Big Ten country. So, but the Urban Meyer thing's even more intriguing. I mean, I think personally, there's just something there, and I think we'll find out in the next two years. You know, I think that the scandal quote whatever pissed him off i agree and Th- I that think, was a very defiant right. uh right it, it seemed defiant yeah. trying to be nice but yeah. it came off defiant I, and i think that you know what i'll go somewhere else and uh i mean he's he was 82 and 9 or something at michigan at it, the, the numbers were he lost four regular season conference games in yeah. seven years. Yeah. I mean, he... he, he my, my point on talk radio was... He won ball games. <laughs> well, Coach, my point on talk radio yesterday was, is he is is his body of work maybe a little underappreciated here locally in this area because of the hatred for Ohio State and, you know, the, the way that they dominated and stuff like that? I, th- I thought to a degree that, that those uh, numbers he put up are, are somewhat lost on the fans around yeah, here. Yeah, but, you know, he won back-to-back national championships at Florida and all of a sudden... He's out of there, and you know, health-wise or whatever. But then a year late, you know, he's a he's a commentator for a year. He he pissed a lot of people off as a commentator making comments, and, uh, and now he's now he got the you know Ohio State's one of the best five jobs in the country, and now he went there and proved how great he is, and and won there, and and now I think he got all, you know, I think my personal opinion, and I know nothing. But my personal opinion is is that, you know, he's he's angry with the way the Ohio State fans and the Ohio State treated what happened. And, you know, he lied to the media and got caught and he got butched and tortured. And his his answer is, Screw you guys, I'll go somewhere else and Let me ask you this, Coach. If they were in the playoff, would it be different right now? You know, I don't think anything would have been announced now for sure. Right. But I think if they went on and won the national championship, I think he'd leave for sure. You think so? Yeah, I think he's going to. See, I was always of the opinion, as long as you continue to win, 
No, I, you can pretty much do what you want. <laughs> yeah, and he could. I mean, he yeah. could have stayed. He's leaving on his own accord. They're not. He's. I think he's thumbing his nose at the process of what went down and him being held accountable by the media and their fans and the people and the people in the Big Ten. You know, I think him him being held accountable for what his assistant did to, in his mind is this isn't right. It, again, I have no... Yeah, right, right. I'm just talking well, human I think, nature and I, I know the nature of the beast and in this business, you know, what goes through your mind and the things that come at you in this business, you know, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of times Tom Izzo feels underappreciated. All he's done and, you know, in in your business too, I mean, Valenny, the guy at 97 won the ticket. Can I talk about that on, while we're on the different Yeah, sure. Team? So he, two years ago, he wanted the Michigan State coach gone. Last year they come back and go ten and one, and he's the coach of the year and all that, and and he forgot that he wanted that. He's the greatest coach ever. Now he wants him gone again, or at least a new offensive. Yeah, staff. I mean, yeah. he 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 went from this is the worst. I mean, Michigan State's his school. This is the worst coach in the world. After all that Antonio's done, he has a bad year, a couple of off camp, off court instances, off field instances, and he's terrible. Then they come back and have that great year last year, and oh my God, he's coach of the year. He's the greatest. He's so much better than Harbaugh. He's so you know. And now this year that goes the other way again. And now he's he's you know. I mean it's it's when you're in my business and and people like him are out there and can say what they want and can do you know. I think a guy like Izzo, a guy like Ur I mean Urban probably feels very underappreciated there, and. You know, he looked up. We went eighty-two and nine, and you people are mad because I let this guy hang I around. I stood by someone. Yeah, right. you Who guys are me? mad at me because I. Who helped us get to eighty-two? Right. And, nine. Yeah. <laughs> and his grandfather's the only reason I'm here, and his this and this, and I stood by this guy, and everybody's mad at me, and you don't understand, and and so I think he feels really underappreciated. I think if you look at Tom Izzo, what Tom Izzo's done, and because they lost in the end, say, I mean, this guy. It's been the six Final Fours, and I heard, I heard, I heard on the way in, listening to Matt Shepard's show this morning on the way into the office, uh, a texter texted in and said he called Tom Izzo a choke artist, and said that you know he's a choke artist, and John Beeline is the standard, and Tom Izzo needs to get to that level. Right. And and <laughs> as good as Michigan's been the last couple of years, if if you guys go back and think about it, when that plane swerved off the runway. Michigan's been really good since then. But bef but five minutes before that plane swerved off the runway, 95% of Michigan fans wanted him gone. Right. And he might, I don't, you know, Michigan doesn't usually do things like that. But the I have some, some pretty good friends that are high money people there that, you know, they thought he was going to retire and they all, that was going to be his last turn. And they go to that tournament and they win it. They have that great run. They come back and win it again last year, and now they're sick. And now he's he's the top coach in the country. And, and Tom Izzo's a choke artist, right? Now, with Tom, seven Tom Izzo, who's who's done all the things. <laughs> and the other thing that I think people are forgetting: Michigan State won the Big Ten championship last year. No one remembers that, do they? No, Michigan State won the Big Ten going away. It wasn't right. close. 
and uh, <laughs> all they remember is the Syracuse game. They don't. So we got onto this because of Urban Meyer, and I think this. I I just think this underappreciation and this look at what I've done and you it's not good enough and screw you. I'm gonna go. I'll go coach the Green Bay Packers. I don't think he's gonna do it this year. I think he's gonna take a year off. Right. He's only 54. He's got 20 more years to coach. So I, I, I really think he'll take the year off. And then I think whatever the best job in the country is, it opens. And it'll open because they know they can you get, get Urban Meyer, right. right. They, you know, he'll have his agent out there. He'll, who knows, if not Texas, but a, a job like USC, a Texas or Texas, USC. Yeah. Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they'll – and he'll walk right into a really, really good job like he walked into Ohio State. And they'll back up the Brinks truck, and, 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 and away it goes. And for for a guy like him or Saban or Harbaugh or people like that, it, it isn't about the money, but it is about the money. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's not it's not the physical it's it's not the physical act of the money, right? I mean, how many houses, how many cars can you buy? How else do we judge this? Right. You, you know what I'm saying? I well, mean, it's it's. I'm number one paid. Right. How else do we judge it? I right. mean, that, that's the only way to judge yeah. it. So, Coach, uh, certainly do appreciate your time doing this this morning. That was a lot of fun, man. I, I enjoy those uh, those philosophical discussions. Make sure you come back. RJ's Pub next week. We will be live. The team will be in attendance. And uh, away we'll go, Coach. Got any 30 seconds? Well, Got anything just else? to go back to that, I'm not – I didn't – what. I hope nobody took that as a criticism. I'm just telling you what I think. Yeah, um, that's why we do this. Right. I think Tom Izzo is the greatest coach in the country, and I think he should feel appreciated by these idiots out there saying what they're saying. And I think John Beeline has done an unbelievable job the last couple of years, and he should be getting all the accolades. And, and Urban, who else is 83 and you know, those numbers, you, can, you can't get past those numbers. Those are stupid. There's two guys out there, him and Saban, nobody else. Yeah. Nobody else. So and He's beaten Saban a couple times, yeah. too. Yeah. So so the, <laughs> the the truth of the matter is we're just having a discussion about it. There's n- Nobody's criticizing anybody. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, we will be back at it next week live at RJ's Pub for the Coach Greg Campy. My name is Neil Rule. Thank you for listening, everybody. Well, see you later. Thanks for listening to The Greg Cappy Show. Tune in next week at 7 on your exclusive home for the Golden Grizzlies. Detroit's 1130 WDFN. The Fan.